football poop is doing. Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the game, Sam. So, Who cares about what people think about us? Yeah, I like football, I like football season, all the things that go with it. All right, welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast. Sam Monson here with Mike Renner. Mike, back. throwback. Three straight pods now. Yeah. Come on. You, uh, you usurped our position initially when we got banned from the office for COVID scares. I was going to say, who had odds on Steve being the first person on the reserve COVID list? I was the favorite. You for were. Sure and that. honestly, I think you're still the favorite. But I was going to say, much. I think like I already got it. So that, right. that uh, puts me behind. You so. just never got tested. That's, yeah. the, that's the key to this. <laughs> is if you never get tested, nobody ever knows. So yeah, some minor COVID scares. I've got a, a clean test mm-hmm. that gets me back in the building. Steve, we're waiting on. He'll be back soon. Uh, so until then, it's it's you and me, Mike. We got week one of NFL football in the action. Oh, I know. Or in the in the books. It felt good. It felt like normal again. Like here's NFL Sunday football, and it went off kind of without a hitch. Uh, the amount of I'm just so excited about the amount of all 22 that was just put out <laughs> into the ether because we were watching the same shit for just months right. on end, and it's just like there's only so much you can do with that. And now we have, you know. 14 new games now because we're recording this Monday morning, but about to be 16 new games of all 22. And it's just like, there's something else to talk about. That's the thing. (laughs) To me, it's like the last few weeks of like, all right, what am I writing about? What am I talking about this week? And now it's like, there's actual things to talk about. Things that happened on Sunday and we can overreact to all of it. How many ways can we rank the same guys? God, yeah. (laughs) So now there's actual stuff. The other thing is, so only one stadium had crowd had a crowd in it of any description mm-hmm. right jacksonville and they were what 20 percent capacity swung the, it was. swung the game for them right um but it it didn't seem weird like a lot of sports through this whole mm-hmm. crowdless fake noise stuff it's felt very rough and forced yeah. and contrived but the nfl actually seemed to work like even the fake crowd stuff they actually dialed up booing for like a give up run before the half, before a field field goal <laughs> attempt. Like it worked. It was pretty good. Wait, so they're dialing that up on the broadcast. So that's not yes. in the stadium. Yeah, yeah. They're not playing booing. But in the stadium, they've got some kind of like something. 70 decibel ambient background noise. noise. White noise. Just yeah. Like I think it's, I don't know if it's crowd like noise or just sleep. like white noise, okay. but there's some like baseline level of sound. That I wonder how that's feels we should get media passes for a Bengals game and just check it out there was I think it was the uh 49ers no what was it, it was it was the Ravens uh Browns game where at one point I don't know if it was because the ref was close enough to the huddle at that point but you like heard the play call like start to finish yeah I I don't know how how much <laughs> defenses are hearing but it's probably quite a lot like yeah. they're getting a lot from those games I, teams are gonna have to like change a lot over the course of the season i think because of what they can hear yeah, I, I will say it was at no point was i like oh there's no fans and right it didn't really like i said in the nba watching those games you're in like this ridiculous state looking stadium you can tell it almost yeah. looks like a practice the nfl it just didn't feel any different and in soccer with the fake crowd noise like the reaction stuff is terrible 
Like yeah. it just doesn't work. Well, because soccer just either blows up or it's nothing. Yeah, like, yeah. So they the, the like you know it's always late or it's just yeah. off and it just sounds wrong. Whereas the NFL actually seemed to get it to work quite well. Um, all right, let's get into the biggest takeaways from this week. The first and most obvious, I think, the Breeze Brady showdown should not live up to that. <laughs> no, this was like the game of the week on paper. It was Breeze Brady. It was two of the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. It was what we expect to be two of the Super Bowl contenders from the NFC. And honestly, it looked like two 40-odd-year-old men just slugging it out to the death. Yeah, it was getting hyped up as it was going to be that Chiefs-Rams game from yes. years ago where it's just like back and forth. Oh, my God, what just happened? But I think that didn't give enough credence to how good these defenses are. Yeah. Like That's why these two teams that got so hyped up all offseason because the Saints have a ridiculously good defense. Like I, I'm not going to say Brady's washed. You might be saying Brady's washed. I'm not going to say <laughs> Brady's washed because I'm I mean, covered yeah, for, there's six for years late. Uh, but I, I do think that the Saints defense, every single level, and the fact that then they add Janoris Jenkins and Malcolm Jenkins, who make pick six for Janoris Jenkins and pass yeah. breakup for Malcolm Jenkins. Like Those guys made real impact week one. I think it was just doing a disservice to them to be hyping it up as this offensive matchup when both these defenses are very good. And I was pretty impressed with the Bucks defense as well. I, I, they obviously made some mistakes, and uh, but I think they limited Breeze and pretty much put a cap on that Saints offense. And we've been talking about this, the, the Bucks defense for a while in terms of, look, Brady and Gronk, that, that's where all the ink's going. But like the end of the season for the Bucks, that defense was cooking. And honestly, that might be the thing that determines how good this team can be. And it was certainly like going to be like uh, Manning. 15 right. when I mean, Brady's yeah. going to be limping into the playoffs and then the defense just carries them to, so all let's, the way through. Let's talk about the two quarterbacks, right? Because I think Breeze is closer to that Manning season than Brady, judging by mm-hmm. this evidence alone. Yeah, so Breeze's arm looks far more cooked. Yeah. Like he 5.2 average depth of target in that game. Now, now they were up for a good And there was one, like he actually pulled out a deep shot in there. <laughs> like there was one yeah. deep pass out there, almost just to prove that he could still do it. <laughs> But beyond that, there was almost nothing. Yeah, and they don't have great personnel to really be attacking down the football field. You know, Emmanuel Sanders probably their best deep threat, but he's well beyond his prime at this point. So it's going to be an underneath offense. That's going to be where they win. Uh, but I, I do think you know he's round that offense for forever. Brady's problem was more it's just the offense didn't mesh with what he yeah. likes to do quite out the gate. It just didn't seem like. I was thinking during the game, Breeze's kind of fascinating at this point because he's almost like the you you're the person to talk to about this right because you're the draft guy and every year there's this friction between how good a player is and how viable his physical tools are for the nfl right and it's if if you don't have sort of forget prototype but if you don't even have like viable nfl tools in terms of arm strength and the ability to get it where you want to go you have to be so good at the mental processing part and understanding where it needs to go and how quickly it needs to get there Mm -hmm. because you don't have the arm to fire it into a closing window if you're if you're a tick late on it and there's i I think that it turns out that that's i mean that's obviously a really important part of of that evaluation process but breeze is almost this like perfect case study in this now because like that arm looks awful and yet he's still you know, top one, two, mm-hmm. three quarterbacks in the NFL in terms of understanding and processing and knowing where the ball's got to go. He just can't get it where it needs to go all the time anymore. Yeah, that's things like you can succeed with a middling arm. You just have to be, your margin for error is so razor thin. I think right. that's almost why we see him down the stretch each of the last two seasons fall apart is, is when you have to face that real defense and they make you do more than just 
dink and dunk underneath because when you know you're playing in bad weather late in the season or whatever you're playing against a defense that's just not going to give you anything down the field with you know, that he's going to be able to fit it in with how strong his arm is all of a sudden you have to put together drives every time you score if you're the saints it has to be 12 plays you're not getting these chunk plays and i think your offense can go in the tank pretty quickly when that's your only real recourse so yeah i I'd, I'd be worried if i were both these teams about what i saw offensively if so i again like we we did the the Joe Montana versus Steve Young um, podcast special in the offseason, one of the things coming out of that was just how insane Bill Walsh was in terms of he did not give a crap about the the standard way that you deal with quarterbacks. He was just going to yeah. put the best guy out in the field regardless of who it was. And if that meant benching Joe Montana at any point, that's what was going to happen. Now, he had Steve Young waiting in the wing, so it's easier to do that. But he did that before to get Joe Montana on the field as well. Well, what I'm saying is, is do you see any scenario whereby at, at any point this season, Drew Brees becomes enough of a problem where they make a switch at quarterback? I, I know you're probably suggesting Jameis Winston, but <laughs> I'm suggesting Sean Payton nothing. would probably put Taysom right. Hill in before Jameis Winston at this point. Well, Taysom Hill is their deep threat right well, now. But I was going to say, I think you could see, I'm not going to say make a change, but I think that Taysom Hill package or whatever could become a more regular occurrence in yeah. the offense just that something that you know wants to drive he's getting tossed in there uh just as a switch up just because yeah like i said you're not gonna have explosive plays otherwise and i think he could be your guy that to try to generate those sort of explosive plays so that's the thing it used to be a vehicle to just get Taysom hill on the field because he's a fun playmaker and mm -hmm. he brings something different now it's actually like an important part of if he's not on the field there's almost no deep threat. There's nothing to scare a team mm -hmm. uh, deep down the field. Now, when Taysom Hill's on, at least you have to think about the deep pass. Like, there might actually be more value to him this year than there was because it's serving a purpose beyond they, just... They paid him over 10 million a year. So. That's true. <laughs> and um, he only played 17 snaps. But if, like, if they roll into December and they're, let's say, they're still contending, but they haven't blown everybody away the way everybody expected them to, they're sort of... They're on track for like a you know eleven win season. Maybe they they're maybe still atop the division because mm -hmm. the division is less of a runaway train than we thought in terms of the Bucks maybe struggling as well. So eleven wins, they're jockeying for seeding, jockeying to stay in front of the division. But breezes look like this the entire way, and it's only getting harder from this point out because you're playing the best teams. You're going to roll into the playoffs where there are some mm -hmm. legit teams. I mean, you've got to start thinking about... You're going to have to go to Green Bay, probably. <laughs> you've got to start <laughs> thinking about, like, does one of these other quarterbacks actually give you a better chance of winning the game because they can scare teams deep? They they might. I mean, like, they very well may. I don't think there's a chance in hell that he's going to bench Drew Brees. Though. Yeah. I just, like, I I don't foresee him being of the Bill Walsh Even So here's mindset. the thing, right? Even if, even if Bill Walsh wouldn't have benched him, yeah. I think he would have been all on board with the idea of, like, all right, we're going to have... A between the 20s quarterback and yeah. we're gonna have a red zone quarterback so like Taysom Hill or Jameis is gonna run between the 20s Twice. and then Breeze is gonna come in for the red zone where he doesn't have to fire it you know 40 yards downfield I was gonna say I could see a situation where they're down like 20 in like the end of the third quarter yeah. of the game and they're just like you know Breeze is not gonna be able to take us back for right. this and you you gotta, that's you where you open the door and that's when Jameis comes in maybe like week 16 or something yeah. something like that I could see that situation God. But that's about it this is like classic week one overreaction. Yeah, right. Next week he's going <laughs> to light up. Cooked. Yeah, next week he's going to set the world on fire and look like vintage Drew Breezy. But and I think some of that, like him just really digging nothing, was they're winning football game. Like, yeah, it's a tough defense. You're winning the football game. 
he's not going to take any risk with a football that could there's a great like Brady throwing yeah. that big six there was one great play though that I think highlighted not so the deep ball is one thing right but there was it was like a quick out at one point where the receiver did exactly what he was supposed to I forget the yardage but he ran you know two yards past the line to gain starts working his way back towards the quarterback to catch the out but the ball is so underthrown that he has to come not just to the line all the way back mm-hmm. and it ends up falling like a yard short of the conversion like breeze just doesn't have that anymore like he can't get it all the way out where it needs to go that ball was two three yards underthrown on a far hash deep out and that's like that's the NFL benchmark throw. That's the one where when they pull it yeah. out in college, you're like, see, he's got NFL that, throws. Yeah. Like, I don't know that Breeze does anymore. And at some point, that's a problem. Like, he's so good that most of the time it isn't. But every now and again. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is a problem. And like I said, it just limits what you can do offensively. And a smart defense coordinator, like, there's the reason why they had problems with Mike Zimmer is because I think he knows how to take advantage of that and scheme around uh, those limitations to where – you know, you stack and just play on that underneath stuff and take that away, and you're going to – if you can take that underneath stuff away, you're going to stop the Saints. The good news is, though, that, you know, they still won. And yeah. That's what I, like, they're going to win games. 34 points. This is a very good, just well-built football team from top to bottom, yeah. offensively, defensively. There's not a lot of weaknesses. So let's go to the Tom Brady side of this, mm-hmm. right? Now, obviously, I have some previous in terms of Tom Brady being washed, but mm-hmm. – I think this is more of an example of Tom Brady and the Bruce Arians meeting in the minds thing has not yet gone in sync than Tom Brady is just done. Yeah. Now, like he missed some throws. There were some ugly plays in there. Um, but he made some pretty good throws as well. Like this was more of a he's got the arm to make all the throws. Maybe sometimes he's got to force it more than he used to, and mm-hmm. that's where the accuracy goes a little bit awry. But this was way more of a – like this offense is not in sync yet. That's what it felt like to me. And one, you're going up against good defense. Yeah. And, and two, uh, it just the pick, the you know, pick to Evans route miscommunication, not on the same page. There's a good deal of that. It seemed like just within that offense, you saw him get to the top of this drop and just sit. I think more than you had in any point in time in New yeah. England. Even when he didn't have receivers that could get open, that ball was getting out of his hands quickly, and that's. One, that's part of Bruce Aaron's offense. Like, it's going to be a deeper passing offense. He's going to have deeper dropbacks, that sort of thing. But two, I just think the timing aspect is what made Tom Brady Tom Brady in New England. He was hitting a route. Even if there wasn't a lot of separation, he was hitting at the exact perfect time. You didn't see that in this game. That wasn't where he was, you know, getting the ball. The timing was just off. So I think there's hope in time that I can turn around. I'm not going to, like, I'm not writing him off by any means. But I will say... They, they didn't look too much different from the guy we saw last year. And the guy we saw last year wasn't great either. Now, people were blaming the talent around him. Maybe that just, you know, some things go when you're 43 years old. Yeah, the, that's the interesting question to me, right, is so I agree with you. I think it was a lot of this offense didn't look in sync. The Mike Evans one was interesting because that happened a ton last year with Jameis. Mm-hmm. And everyone was kind of like, well, that's it's Jameis, right? Because he's always been volatile. Yeah. He's always had these mistakes. But there was a lot of just receiver and quarterback yeah. not being on the same, same page. And things. It, it was always tough to determine exactly who was hanging who out to dry. The fact that it happened again with, a, with one of the best sort of mentally processing quarterbacks of all time is concerning in terms of this offense. The other thing that's interesting is this offense is – traditionally caused problems for the quarterback in year one, the Bruce Arian system, right? 
year two or beyond is where you get like the Carson Palmer 2015 season Mm -hmm. where suddenly like they they click and it's insane but Brady's like ancient is he gonna have a year two at all yeah at which point what are you even like why are you even trying to force him into this offense I I mean I was saying last night that I'm surprised they didn't do what the Broncos did with Peyton Manning which is say after like a couple of weeks of seeing trying to you know force the square peg into the round hole just say okay Peyton tell us what the offense is we're running that is kind of another thing to remember is that Peyton Manning Everyone remembers, what was it, 14? That was a monster year where he broke all the passing records. That was the second year in the system. He started off 13. It was not great. Like He started off his first few games in Denver weren't lights out. So The I first few were a disaster. Yeah. And he had to, like, they junked the offense, yeah. and he had to, like, rewire the way he was playing the game because he couldn't make the throws he used to anymore. Mm-hmm. But the point is, yeah, it was the same thing Adam in Gates terms of— also offense coordinator. So. Right. But very quickly, they basically went, okay, this is not going to work. Yeah you have run the same thing for like 15 years tell us what it is yeah and that's what we're run again you need I'm wondering, to reinvent the wheel basically. right i'm wondering like a why wasn't that the first thing they did with brady and b is that something that can change or is this just bruce arians this I, is what i run you, it's not gonna you think bruce arians going to scrap his offense for right. tom brady like that's a proud man there's no it's going to be his offense it's going to be what he's done his entire career because I mean, that's just who Bruce Arians is. He's not going to cede any ground to anybody. <laughs> that's that's the concern to me, though, because, again, I, this is overreaction week one time by all, for all we know, week two and three, they click and it looks great. But if this goes the way that the Peyton Manning first season in Denver did, mm-hmm. like one of the biggest keys was they junked that offense and basically just said, Peyton, tell us what the offense is now. Yeah. If the Bucks don't do that for Tom Brady, you might be throwing away the shot you have of winning the Super Bowl because you didn't essentially yeah. ask Brady what fits. And I will say he still targeted what Scott Miller five times. He still went back to the well of his slop white guy. But yeah, yeah. So I, I was thinking, you is is Scotty Miller's another one of these guys that like looks like he should be a Wes Welker, Julian mm-hmm. Edelman style, Danny Amendola receiver, but isn't right. He's something completely yeah, different stylistically. Um, he's this vertical speedster More, yeah. who just happens to have the same look. Um, you can say it. <laughs> is, all white. is Andy Isabella Scotty Miller? Scotty Miller's Andy Isabella. What do you, well, whatever. Is, yeah, 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 no. Andy Isabella can't get his Andy ass Isabella in the field was not yet. a slot. Yeah, they were not like pure slots right. uh, underneath. But we were, trying to, like, guys, yeah. we were trying to sort of figure out who Andy Isabella is from an NFL player mm-hmm. matchups standpoint. He might be Scotty Miller in terms of being yeah, I think that's their vertical player. slot weapon maybe. If he's a slot weapon, he's mm-hmm. a vertical deep threat guy only. And maybe Scotty Miller as well in terms of you know probably not going to be a massive feature of the offense. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see what Tyler Johnson does when he gets back healthy though. I think that will be he's definitely more of a pure slot. Well, he's but. the guy that might not fit at all in the offense unless it changes yeah. towards something that Bruce Arians doesn't want to run. Sure. So overall, it, we're concerned about Drew Brees, but probably not about the Saints overall because they're just too good, they're right? Too good. Yeah. Um, we're not as concerned about Tom Brady, but maybe more concerned about the Bucks overall because yeah. This thing needs to mesh, otherwise it's not going. Anywhere. And also, I, d- I don't love their offensive line still. Like Tristan Wirfs, Tristan Wirfs looked very good for a rookie, but like right. Donovan Smith, bad, bad. Yeah. And then you have one injury along that offensive line; they're going to be on their knees because that's a very they're just so thin. You yeah. have no backups worth a damn. 
What did you think of uh, return the return of Gronk? Uh, he looked like the Gronk we saw two years ago. Like there was so it was funny. He's the, like the, re the rehabilitation was overblown. He, he was the still stiff as shit. He's noticeably slimmed down, and yet it's made zero difference whatsoever to like how fast he moves. Yeah, there was one point where he got a uh, got a pass, got some space, and like just the the, the speed at which his strides move. It's just. The word lumbering was made for that, like just yeah. this slow. He always plotting. was, but he had like, right, but it kind of worked because yeah. it seemed like he was somehow it was moving him quickly, mm. or at least because he's so big. big. Strides, right yeah. now, it didn't. It doesn't seem to be actually be moving him fast, so it just looks comical. Yeah, that is kind of funny that we spent so much. There was so much all this hoopla around it, and it's that's not going to make a difference to them whatsoever. No. It seems like. Yeah, a year out wrestling has not rejuvenated his yeah. body and, and turned him back into vintage Gronk, at least so far. Um, all right, where are we moving to next? Uh, Joey, uh, Joey, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, mm, hometown. That one hurt. Yeah. That was, so now everyone was kind of like crowning him because that was a very nice two-minute drill. He didn't play great throughout the rest of the game. And just before the two-minute drill, he had, like, one of the worst yes, plays that we had all week. A, like, that was the most boneheaded interception I probably saw. Like, he just flipped <laughs> it to a D-lineman. Like, that, that, was, that was not that was not LSU. The comfort level that no. we saw at LSU was not even close. And, and with good reason. Right. You're playing behind a Bengals offensive line. I wouldn't be comfortable either. But I, I do think that there were signs of encouragement. That two-minute drill was awesome. But – Pump the brakes on. I was excited. I thought he'd be a top ten QB. I, I, that was not close to top ten QB play. So you've actually like but backed you, off your. You played the another team. You played the Chargers defense. Very difficult defense yeah. to go against. Like that, some of the one of the best secondaries even without Derwin James. So pumping the brakes on any on either direction in that take. Okay. So you just it, it, that game I'm hasn't status quo. Yeah. All right. So he's still top ten. I gotta finish top ten. So I know there were bad things in there, right? And that mm -hmm. was a horrific interception. Um, but I was kind of encouraged. Like yeah. to do what he did in the face of that offensive line and when the chips were down mm -hmm. to execute that kind of two minute drive and I deserved the you know, the the touchdown. Like I know uh, AJ Green yeah. did push off. That was a, but yeah. the throw and the catch were sick. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, it was. It was he a extended. big day for OPI yesterday. Right, like he extended it was a push off. It's the mm -hmm. right call, but like Joe Burrow put that ball exactly where it needed to go, and AJ Green full extension toe taps gets him in like that. That, that nice. deserved yeah. the score to come back. And just the way he, I mean, like two minute drill, you see guys like Kirk Cousins blow that and like fuck up the clock management right. and not be in control. He was getting to the line every single time. Wasn't spiking like you. You, you would think a young quarterback would go up and spike on a first down, you know, every time they get a first down. He wasn't. He had plays ready, uh, you know, basically ran that about as perfectly as they could have. I thought they should have gone for one more chance, though. Seven seconds, just right. throw a fade. Like, throw throw any any quick play is not going to take right. seven it's seconds. It's enough time to yeah. get to, to take a shot before so. the kick. Um, I, yeah, but I think there's something to that poise. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think you do that – Unless, See, but like, I'm not surprised by it is the other thing. Yeah. Like, that's who we knew that he had that. So I'm not. It's good to see. It's it. good to, like, reinforce it at the NFL level that's yeah. still there because mm -hmm. it isn't always. Like, yeah. there are guys that can do that in the college level where suddenly when the defenses are good and your offensive line isn't and the mm -hmm. game's moving quicker, it's that doesn't Mind exist races, anymore. Yeah. Um, I think it was good to see him do that. I, you know, I'm, I'm sort of snake bitten uh, about all of these, like, 
reaction week one things, you know, particularly the Baker Mayfield thing has ruined me, right? Like year one of He's Baker, done. and not just year one of Baker, but like day one, you know, yeah. when he came in, rescued the game against the Jets, and you're like, it just looks different. Mm -hmm. Baker versus Tyrod Taylor, it's a different team. And then the rookie records, and now Baker's like in the tank. We'll come to that yeah. later. But I'm just, before that, I would be like, Joe Burrow has it. Right, you you look at him and it's it's just different to Andy Dalton being out there or any other random, you know, middling level quarterback. He he has that it factor, the ability to mm -hmm. to be a franchise guy. But now I I, I can't go there anymore. Yeah, you're not going to declare him. No, I I I still think. I mean, you lean on what we've seen before, and he was so good at LSU and what we saw, and wasn't helped out by John Ross being John Ross once again. <laughs> Man, how does he just blow? something every game just like it's wide receivers aren't supposed to have big fuck ups it's like such they, a small <laughs> thing as well like all you needed to do was catch it cleanly yeah you did the, you, like the a false start you, you got your them. you got your feet in perfect sideline work and you just you had to double catch it like some is just not gonna change that's i just that's who he's been his entire career it's so weird i i don't understand no I don't understand how you can still do that. It's just year four at the worst possible time as well. Any other time in the game, yeah. that's and, fine. And I thought he should have had that deep ball in the back of the end zone. I don't know if you saw that one early in the game. He kind of, he kind of like pulled up and then reached. And then like if he would have just ran through and tapped yeah. his toes, I thought he could have had it in the back of the end zone. I don't know. All right, just John Ross is not going to be. It's not going to change anytime no. soon. Just quickly, what do you make of the charges? Because this for them, like they got away with it, but this like. I, they kind of are who I thought they were going to be, which is disaster offensively. Defensively, just low-scoring games every single time. And that, that's not – to me, that's not a replicatable, successful – like, that's not going to work for 16 I, games, if I don't think. If you're going to have – like If you're going to have Tyra Taylor as your quarterback, I think you need to lean into it with a Baltimore-style offense. Yeah. Like, they, they want to sort of pull at the fringes of that, and, like, every now and again they'll break out a little – funky option look that almost needs to be like your your base that needs to be like your default yeah i'm surprised it didn't i mean anthony lynn was with him in buffalo it didn't look anything right. like what buffalo was running when yeah he was I, that's, there. So, I was kind of bullish on this like that was roman though who was had that offense so. that's the thing so i was kind of bullish on this because they were doing some funky stuff with tyra taylor back in like what, 2015 mm -hmm. when anthony lynn was there when greg roman was was there as well and you thought okay if you're going to be so adamant that tyra taylor's your quarterback and we like what he can do. You're going to be coming up with some cool stuff. That's like, where was it? Yeah. I mean, five design runs on the day is not, right. it's not a lot. Like even, Cam Newton had 13. So it, even, it, <laughs> they it leaned into be, it a little more. Yeah. It can't be something that you just pull out as like, you know, here's a little gimmick. Ha -ha. It, like that should be the thing that you're using to offset the fact that you have Tyra Taylor quarterback and not like a real one. I wonder if they just designed the offense more around Herbert and are just like, here, Tyrod, here's a few games until Herbert shows he's not yeah. a complete disaster i mean i guess that's possible but it seems that if that was the case you would be sort of less effusive in your praise of tyron taylor all the way through the offseason as he's our guy we like what he can do and that, i mean like you remember the browns though. i know yeah that's that's kind of what <laughs> we've seen say. this story before yeah but it just seems i don't know i was disappointed by the lack of creativity in that offense yes no i completely agree all right, let's move on to one of the most interesting things from this weekend the aaron Rodgers revenge tour got off to a flying start that looked absurd that so obviously full disclosure i'm a Packers fan uh <laughs> grew up in milwaukee 
that was 2011. That's just like how he looked out there playing was how he looked in 2011. Right. In terms of just hits his back foot, it's coming out, no real hesitation. When it is like a second chance play, he's finding somebody. Uh, him being able to use the hard count on the road is one of the most underrated, Every game now. Yeah. underrated like ad- additions that any team gets. Like they're going to be, they're a completely different team, home versus road in the Rodgers era. And they're going to have that on the road now against everyone. That's going to be a massive, just that's three or four plays. It's like a few plays a game that they're just on a different level. And they already have a very good pass blocking offensive line to be able to use that hard count. I, I think uh, that offense could be scary if, we see that more. Now they're going up against the Vikings secondary, which admittedly pretty rough, yeah. but you'd still think Mike Zimmer would be able to throw enough at him to either confuse him or something to slow down that offense. And there was nothing. It's just basically anytime the Vikings made any noise, Rogers just buried them. There are, the grades aren't finalized yet, but I think Rogers is going to be comfortably the best graded quarterback yeah. the weekend. Like right now, his grade is hovering at 95. He might be the only quarterback above 90. Yeah. Um, actually overall, I didn't think this was a great week for quarterback play. I thought there were a couple of guys that looked really, really good. Mm-hmm. And then generally the standard was not phenomenal, but Rogers looked absurd. Um, and what was amazing is there was a whole bunch of those plays where like the coverage was pretty good for a lot of these plays. I know like the, one of the amazing things was, you know, almost 400 yards, his average time to throw was under 2.3 seconds. So yeah, now I was saying he's just hitting it and going. That does fold in some of the like quick tap pass stuff, but it also factors in like where he decided to run out of the pocket randomly and like then fired a bullet to Devontae Adams on the, the side of the end zone. Like it, there's mm-hmm. give and take in that, but the fact that he was able to just look up, see single coverage, fire it in, and put the ball exactly where it needed to be against high coverage consistently. Yeah, and it's not just in Minnesota where they're good is in their safeties. Yeah, he was attacking over twenty five percent of his attempts were deep, deep attempts on the day. Eleven deep attempts. Uh, He was going down the football field just like no fear in him. That was it was like I said it was twenty eleven Rogers. That's what it looked like. And and I was kind of when he said he went back and watched and figured out some stuff about what he was doing back then. I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Why didn't you do that fucking three years ago? What are you, <laughs> like, who's going to figure that out over one off season? But that was, I mean, probably haven't seen a guy, him look quite like that in a game since 2016. Right. Probably like the year where he went down the stretch, the relax or whatever. That was probably the last time he's looked anything close to that in a game. The only thing that was interesting though, is that so it didn't all that talk about it, i went back i saw some things on tape and i you know changed my game right yeah. he still hasn't sort of he still hasn't adjusted to the things that were always like the biggest concern with rogers which is he doesn't really attack the middle intermediate yeah. level like that box in the middle where most quarterbacks live well rogers just doesn't want to put it there ever and even in this game he still didn't really put the ball in that space like no. this was this was back to being the sort of peak of what Rodgers does best, which mm-hmm. is attack deep, attack sidelines, you know, all the things that he's always done stylistically. This was like back to being as good as he can get at that. But he still hasn't adjusted, like, he still hasn't made the sort of the easiest, if you like, fundamental switch, which is just target, like, the area that you never put the ball in. That's not, though, just the way he throws, because he throws such lasers. Like, he'll never, he never throws a touch, it seems like. He doesn't take anything off the ball. Like, he doesn't yeah. flick it over the top of, like, a linebacker. So he throws such lasers, like the linebackers come into play when he's in attacking that area of the field because he puts no arc on it. So I, I understand why he doesn't attack that area of the field much. He did have one seam route to like Lazard, but that was a little deeper. That was probably more like 25, 30 yards off yeah. the field. But yeah. The, I was in, interested though that the Vikings sort of cornerbacks, 
I thought Dantzler actually was doing okay for a reasonable period. So he started over or played over. Yeah. Uh, what's his face? Gosh, the first Jack round. Yeah, which right. is crazy to me. Like and that, that, the fact that he's willing to, that uh, Zimmer was willing to do that, it's not, not great news for, uh, either it's very good news for Dantzler or not great news for uh, Gladney. I mean, I think it's both because so it's, that happened quite early in training camp. Yeah. Like Dantzler was making some big plays against Adam Thielen. Very quickly, they seemed to make that switch that he was the guy that was going to get the start. I mean, it's obviously not good news when your first-round rookie is not even starting. Mm -hmm. It's, I think it's both the, the fact that the other cornerbacks are getting lit up as well. I think like, there's going to be time for like, Gladney's going to get an opportunity this season yeah. because Mike Hughes and Holton Hill, like, those guys are not nailing down a starting spot for any period of time. And they're slow then. Like, if you have Holton Hill, Mike Hughes, and you saw it, Marcos Valdez-Scantling, like, got open because yeah. they had no one that could match his speed. I, I would, I'm surprised they didn't, you know, recognize that and be like, oh, well, let's just throw Gladney on him because he's, Marcos Valdez-Scantling, not the most nuanced route runner, but he does run a 4-3-7. And so if you can't run a 4-3-7 and he's going vertical on you and you don't get hands on him, it's going to happen like what Dancer did on that touchdown. So yeah, I, Dancer's, I don't know how fast he is. Like, I don't think, you know what I mean? Like he ran the four, six or whatever it was, the combine, yeah. then claimed a four, two at his pro day. I, I thought he was like a four or five flat guy. You think four or five flat? It's like if I were to put his speed in a. I honestly might just split the difference and say he's in the four four somewhere. Okay. I think that because even in the Marcus Valdez Scantling thing, I don't think he lost for speed. I think he just lost the hand fighting battle at the like at the time the ball arrived, he was closing on him. Yeah. Like he was making ground back up, and honestly, he got back into position the same way that um, Ju uh, Justin Reed did you know, against the Chiefs mm -hmm. on Thursday night where he got where back, he, on yeah, that got back and then broke it up. Like Dancer yeah. got to exactly the same position and just didn't hit yeah. the ball when yeah, he got his arm got in there. Like, so I, I think he's got the speed to hang. I think he can play outside and like, he yeah. might be the most optimistic or the most positive outlook of all those corners. But generally for the Vikings, this idea of we're going to roll into the season with zero proven cornerbacks, either rookies or young guys or, you know, unheralded guys, yeah. it's not working out yet. This is, uh, this is why we say, hey, secondary is probably your most important position on the football field is because they can just get torched even if your D-line front yeah. seven is fantastic. And by all accounts, you know, their D-line is pretty good. And they're uh, actually they didn't have Daniel Hunter in this one. So not in this one, but when he's healthy, it should be good. But they're going to be a good limitless test for what actually matters. And last year they made up for the cornerback stuff a lot with the safeties, but when the safeties are getting targeted and picked apart as well, it's just game over. Like Anthony Harris, I think is gonna have the lowest grade we've ever given him out of this yeah, game. Yeah, he bit on that one right. seam route. That was so he didn't have a good game. Mm -hmm. If he's not, like if the safeties aren't able to pick up the slack for what the corners are doing and the corners are getting toasted, I, I don't yeah. know how you're gonna win games consistently that way. Yeah, they, I'm not gonna overreact, but I just thought going into the season, the Vikings were, going to be about there it was just going to be ugly in that secondary right so how is this going to be aaron Rodgers this year are we getting the 2011 are we getting that guy back is he going to stick it to all the analytics people who've been writing his eulogy for the last couple of years man i i would love to say yes but it's been too long <laughs> but there, i mean like he is an oddly motivated human being in yes. terms of like what drives him to be great and you can't like you just what's going to you know his sort of so razor thin the margins in terms of like when he was playing like crap for like the last couple of years in terms of like how he was playing the game 
it's not that big of a change. Like the arm never left in terms of the accuracy oh, yeah. when like, he's in the pocket. Always he's, like, been there. he's always had that. So there was always the capability. And if he's hit, if like I said, if, if his average time to throw over the course of the season is 2.3 seconds, I think he wins the MVP just because that means that he is finding guys and getting it now out of his hand. Talking. But that's if his average time to throw is that long. He's right. not, you know, you know dancing what, in the pocket. Like you know what he, he is? So he's motivated by the exact same things that motivate pretty much all those great quarterbacks, right? Like spite and revenge. Yeah. But he's not as good. So you watch the last dance, right? Yeah. I mean, every, no matter how benign <laughs> and the random small thing, Michael gonna... Jordan is like, I took that personally and went out there, decided to ruin the guy's life. He's exactly like Michael Jordan. He's just less good at being actually irritated by those things. Mm -hmm. So, like, he needs to find, like, it, it takes them actually drafting his replacement to be like, all right, now, now I'm going to come back and screw you. Yeah. Like, just the constant barbs, the way that every one of those would be the thing that motivates Michael Jordan to screw somebody and ruin their life. Like, Aaron Rodgers, all those washed over him. It took them actually, like, drafting his replacement and not giving him any receiving help to be like, all right, now it's on. I honestly think there is some of that, though. I, I yeah, I think he was re-motivated by them drafting a quarterback. And I think you're going to see I, I think this is going to be his best year, at least since right. 16. I mean, I'm, it, it's like I'm joking for the sort of the comic effect of the analogy, but mm -hmm. I honestly think there's something to that, right? Like Tom Brady, 12 years into it, is crying at the idea of six guys taken ahead of him or whatever it is. Like, yeah. Rodgers doesn't have that. Like, he doesn't have the ability to be yeah, so hurt like, by every tiny slight but I think the exact same thing motivates him in terms yeah. of once he finally feels that he's been shafted, mm -hmm. he's going to come back and like ruin you. But he just isn't as good at Bra as Brady. Yeah, the small Jordan. stuff. He's just like whatever. Who is that? Right. Who cares? Like what makes them but, great is the ability to find those tiny things and turn that into like mm -hmm. a slight on your family's honor and come back and destroy you. Rodgers takes like the big things. Like, right. hey, I didn't get an offer out of high school. Yeah. Hey, I didn't get drafted first overall when I was the best quarterback. Yeah, like and I- And now, hey, you exactly. drafted my replacement when I'm still got it, you're, I'll show you. He's got like a far more normal way of like interpreting yeah. those things. Like the three legitimate big slights in his career since he was a kid have like motivated him to be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Whereas Michael Jordan and Tom Brady like one offhand comment yeah. causes them, yeah, keeps just... them stoked for like another eighteen <laughs> months or whatever it is. So yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think That's we might point. see like a legit revenge tour from Rogers. I I, I agree that like hey, the small things, that idea of like being able to use the hard count for however long the no crowd thing works yeah. is huge. He is the best in the NFL at that that cadence, the ability to it's make a guy jump off. Yeah. You know the hot get get a guy to jump like he's been doing that for years and when he does it he gets the free play you know gets mm -hmm. the, the the free shot at a touchdown and he's good at it and they what they had one of those at least in that one the bell the scaling the seam route right that was yeah i mean if you get just one of those a game that you weren't gonna have otherwise is going to change a lot of games the obvious note of caution is you know he did this against this vikings defense that has no corners and mm -hmm without Daniel Hunter. Right, and they've been struggling the past couple of games against Rodgers. Like, this is this is a good opposition to be starting this comeback tour against. Yeah. Now, let's see how he does against a few more teams. I also have to beat my chest a little bit. They started Elton Jenkins at right tackle when I said that that was their best option at right tackle. Now go. they moved him uh, after someone got hurt, yeah. and he ended up at left guard, but he did really want left right tackle, so. This, uh, this is this is a good space to, mm -hmm. you know, back Just up your priors. Into, yeah, I like that. Victory laps. Yeah. That's what is week one for, if not victory laps over like your premature previous days. I'm going to take it.
Quick break to tell you about our friends at Underdog Fantasy. Say hello to your new favorite place to play fantasy football for real money, Underdog Fantasy. With Underdog, all you need to do is the fun part, draft. Perfect for me. I don't have time or the inclination to go setting my lineups every single week. So just draft, forget about the injuries, trades, waivers, and setting lineups. Set it, forget it, and wait for the winnings to come in. This year, they've got a $1 million tournament. That's right, just draft the best team and you have a shot at $1 million in prizes. Sign up for Underdog today and enter the Best Ball Mania for your chance at $1 million in prizes by going to underdogfantasy.com or searching for Underdog Fantasy in your app store. Be sure to enter the code PFF after you make your first deposit. Don't forget to stop by our friends at Monkey Knife Fight. All first-time depositors at Monkey Knife Fight put in at least $20 into their account whilst using the promo code PFF will receive a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's a $40 value for just $20. You are stealing money and you'll get the opportunity to turn that $20 into even more money playing daily fantasy and prop games at one of the fastest growing sports sites in the USA in Monkey Knife Fight. Go to Monkey Knife Fight and deposit your $20 with the promo code PFF today to receive your free PFF Edge annual subscription. Also want to tell you about our friends at MooseFit. MooseFit is a premium online workout program and remote coaching service that provides you with daily workouts based on your goals, the time you have available, and the equipment you have at your disposal. Gym's still closed because of COVID and you don't have any equipment at your home apartment, MooseFit has a bodyweight program that will push you and challenge you. Heading on a beach vacation, looking to tighten things up a bit, MooseFit has a physique program with 15 different pre-made programs. MooseFit is something for everyone. In addition, MooseFit offers completely customized programs that are unique to each member. No two custom programs are the same. It's also great because I've been getting heckled by the MooseFit app to actually complete my workout. Obviously, motivation can be a problem during this downtime. MooseFit stays on your back. Make sure you actually complete the regimen as you're supposed to. Purchase your MooseFit membership and a MooseFit coach will reach out to you with a questionnaire. Based on the information you provide in the questionnaire, your MooseFit coach will either assign a pre-made program to you or will create a custom program. All workouts are delivered to members through an easy-to-use mobile and desktop application that allows you and your coach to easily track your progress and make any adjustments to your program that may be necessary. Founded by a former Army Special Operations Captain and former Division I athlete turned professional CrossFit athlete, MooseFit is well-equipped to help provide you with daily workouts that will challenge you and help you reach your health and fitness goals. For PFF listeners, use the code PFF50 and receive 50% off your first month. For more information, check them out on Instagram at MooseFit or on their website, moosefit.com. All right, biggest week one surprises. Um, Eagles ended up tossing away a 17-point lead and losing to the Washington football team. That wasn't the biggest surprise, though. The biggest surprise was Dan Orlovsky saying that Carson Wentz was the problem. That was the biggest surprise. (laughs) To, To his credit, Carson Wentz did play like crap. Yeah. Oh, that that's... I mean, that, that one I just kept saying all week. And went, well, one, I did say that this is going to be a very, vastly different Washington defense. Ron Rivera, to me, is one of the best defense coordinators in the NFL. Like, he's going to be able to scheme a defense, and they have talent there to make it work, especially in that front seven. And Chase Young was fantastic. But I, I think it's time to debate whether Wentz is, like, everyone was saying, hey, just wait till they're fully healthy, wait till they got the receivers, whatever. 
they looked pretty healthy and he still didn't have it. The yeah, losing Lane Johnson and the the problems they've already had on that offensive line, like he was under pressure a reasonable yeah. amount. That that was the thing, right? Heading into this game, I thought it was gonna be closer than people were expecting it to be, just because like that offensive line going up against that Washington defensive front did have kind of mismatch written all over it. Now, once you got out to the seventeen point lead, it was like, well, it doesn't matter Should've, anymore. Yeah. Right. Like that like at that point you should already have it in the bag and yet that's when the comeback started but like it, the 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 ability was there for this defensive front to cause this to be a problematic game for Wentz and the Eagles yeah I, I'm actually I, I this is one I'm not going to overreact to I still think the Eagles are a very good team uh but I will say Carson Wentz he can't play anything close to that with He's had a top five offensive line every single year of his career. And it's similar to like the Dak Prescott conversation of they've had some pretty ideal situations. Dak Prescott loses his right tackle. Uh, obviously, uh, Wentz is probably playing behind the worst offensive line with the injuries that he's ever played behind. If you're not going to be able to get it done when you know you have some liabilities up front, that's are, is that the guy I want you know, at the helm long term? I, I don't know. The, uh, the, Washington, them, though, the Washington football team had 31 total pressures as a defense in that game. That's, That's an insane number. Like, uh, most defenses are, by the end of the season, racking up, like, you know, a couple of hundred, somewhere mm -hmm. in the 200s. That's putting you on course. I'm for excited like for that. when Reuben Foster comes back to that defense because he's a, a perfect linebacker for what Ron Rivera does. Uh, I think they could be, like, they could be winning games with their defense. Everyone's like, oh, they're in the first overall pick conversation, and I was kind of on board with that too, which is what they have offensively because they have a pretty shit offensive line themselves. But uh, I think that defense is going to be legit this season. Chase Young looked pretty legit right out of the gate. Um, surprise, surprise. And doing a lot of it against Jason Peters. Like that to me was the interesting thing. The fact that Chase Young had a big game against, you know, the guys that the Eagles are trotting out on the offensive line is not necessarily a yeah. big surprise. But the fact that he got some of that joy against Jason Peters. Now, 38 year old, years old. 38 year old and having to kick out to the left tackle. And yeah, was spend, playing guard. Know, most all. of his time playing guard. Like, there are some mitigating factors there, but still, like there's enough, you know, juice left in the tank for Jason Peters. You would expect to, um, to still be a problem for Chase Young, and yet he, I would say, he got the better of that. Yeah, no, I, I think Chase Young was he was better than Nick Bosa in college, and yeah. so if he is better than Nick Bosa year one, it would not surprise me. And whereas Nick Bosa was the best we've ever seen as a rookie, yes, he that's might be the even thing, better. right? Yeah. To put that in perspective, if Chase Young is better than Nick Bosa year one. That would make him a the best pass rushing rookie we've ever seen and b like a top five pass rusher right out of the gate like yes. that would be nuts and that's very possible after what we saw and like when you consider the guys that are on that list in terms of like greatest hitting the ground running immediately mm -hmm. i mean like you're talking about hall of famers like von, von miller. miller is on that yeah. list alden smith is on that list who like who actually some, look good himself right there's some pretty damn good players on that list if chase young puts himself there i mean it doesn't necessarily you know if dwayne haskins doesn't work out it might not matter but mm -hmm. that's as good as you can ask for in terms of if you're passing up a quarterback for a surefire thing yeah. that that's as close as you're going to get to vindicating that hey i said two guys i've called hall of famers coming out in the drafts started doing this quentin nelson that one looks pretty hot right, right now chase young he just was that good and I think we saw it already. Yeah. Just got to stay healthy and not Owen Smith himself. Everybody loves the term, you know, can't miss prospect. 
But I think I those two are where like legitimate yeah. can't miss prospects. Yeah. There's, there's you feel good no when, when it's on along the offensive or defensive line. You feel good. They're like you get so many interactions if they, if they're not losing any. Right. There's like, like you can tell. And they're yeah. freaks, I mean, freaks athletically. You basically need to say if you're going to tell me this guy is not a can't miss prospect, explain to me how he loses. Yeah. And those there was no way either of those guys lost ever. Like it just didn't happen. Yeah. And the 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 reasons that would be thrown at you are ones that are immediately disproved if you actually watch. Like Chase Young's how he loses as well. He disappeared against Wisconsin. Yeah, right. And it's like, no, come on, look, watch the tape, and then he didn't. Like that was that, the most I've ever seen anyone game plan for. Exactly. Like that. That's just not a valid reason. That just that's a reason you throw at somebody if you haven't actually watched what happened to yeah. Chase Young in that game. Zero sacks. Right. Zero sacks. Then. All right. Let's move out west. NFC West. Jimmy Garoppolo, the 49ers, upset by the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray, year Called two. It. That didn't look good for Jimmy G. And so this one might have been the least encouraging performance of any quarterback this week like because it was just erratic. And it wasn't – he wasn't making bad decisions with the football, which has kind of been his M.O. Like he's made bad decisions with the football in the past. He didn't have a single turnover where they play, and he had a 52.5 grade. That's difficult to do. Yeah. To not throw a disastrous decision, make a disastrous decision with the football in our grading system and still earn a very low grade means you were just off on a <laughs> lot of throws. And he was. Even the last play to end it, like it could have been caught, but it was way late and way behind the wide receiver. Uh, he just was none of it – none of it was good like there was nothing really uh exciting for him exciting if i'm a 49ers fan about that performance whatsoever it was no step forward it was maybe a step it was a step backwards from what we've seen from him yeah that, i mean the hospital pass he threw to george kittle on what was you know what should be like a routine quick pass yeah. to the outside it was that was hackenberg-esque it was yards off like kittle had to full leap and extend to bring that in mm -hmm. which obviously just exposes Six you five. to the kind of hit yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah which obviously just exposes you to the kind of hit that he took which is how you get people hurt Dude, like so lucky he didn't get hurt that, that was his knees were just like landing at the same time he's getting hit the fact that he survived that is the last time i saw a quarterback hang his receiver out to dry as badly as that i think was do you remember when andrew luck tore Re uh, reggie wayne's acl but like it was a crossing route and he put it so badly like behind and underneath him that he basically, that play, he basically popped his yeah. ACL trying to adjust the catch. Okay, now I remember, yeah. Yeah. Like he's trying to go back. Right. Just running. He was like running across the field, had to like stop, come back and down and it yeah. just like twisted his own knee. He didn't get hit. He just. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was just, just such a turf. bad yeah. miss by the, the quarterback that mm -hmm. it, it forced your receiver to do something that got him hurt. Yeah. That was like, that's as bad as this was. And he was really lucky that the yeah, kid wasn't badly hurt and came inexcusably back. off target right jimmy g like that's not and it's not oh we didn't have a preseason the offense is a little out of sync just missed yeah. a ton of fucking throws this is the weird thing garoppolo's kind of a, an enigmatic quarterback because i think a lot of people want to put him in this game managing bucket because mm -hmm. of shanahan's offense right like because the offense schemes so many things and it's very run heavy and the quarterback is not he's, he doesn't have to do what Aaron Rodgers does right people want to say well he's just this game but he doesn't play like that like he targets the middle of the field he's the opposite of Rodgers in terms yeah. of he targets the risk, middle of the field risk relentlessly up. yeah he actually puts the ball in harm's way a lot for a guy that doesn't throw that much compared compared to the other quarterbacks 
and we've seen games where he has had to be way more expansive and you know throw the ball a ton to live with teams in a high scoring game if you're going to be like you can't you can't live in that role and be as off as he was in terms of just basic accuracy and putting the ball where it needs to go like you need to be pinpoint accurate to to, to yeah. run that sort of efficient role yeah he's not the quarterback like nick mullins was a little better like for that offense right now, now obviously like type of quarterback i'm yeah, saying yeah. like the way he the way he played in that offense I, I still think jimmy g can you know get it humming at a high level when he is on but like i do agree that that's not if you're gonna pick the type of guy i wanted back there i don't want the guy who might lose me games with his arm like jimmy g could right the other thing that came out of this game to me is that isaiah or not, kyle shanahan is like a mastermind yeah Target. Isaiah Simmons comes in the NFL. His big calling card is like, I'm the perfect matchup weapon on defense. Mm -hmm. I will take away the players that you use on offense to generate matchup problems. And Kyle Shannon was like, oh, really? Just paints a big bullseye on him and just goes Not after him. Ready. And the funny thing is, like, he didn't even play that much. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I, I don't know if it was because he was getting lit up like a Christmas well, he wasn't tree. Supposed to, he wasn't starting. Like, right. He was, yeah. But he played like less than 20 snaps, and yet Shanahan eviscerated him on multiple occasions as like, this is the player that is going to lead to the big play. Yeah, and that was kind of, everyone said he never played linebacker at, at Clemson. He right. was a safety. He was not having to cover a running back out of the backfield much. Like he, yeah, he did it some, but angle route, he just didn't know how to, like he got, he thought it, it was going to be It never occurred wheel, to him then, that, yeah. it was, that there was a chance that he could like reverse course and come back yeah. inside. He was just heading out to cover him in the flat yeah that was un uninspiring say the least but by all accounts he had not had a good camp so why he wasn't if your eighth overall picks not starting that was worrisome to begin with but i mean rookie linebacker brand new position i'm not not going to overreact to that the one thing i was a little uh encouraged by for the cardinals offensively is kyler murray using the legs i, I, I said it on last week's pod they got to get him more involved let him let him go like let him run that is a weapon that they really didn't utilize enough last year. It's something like 50 design runs all year, just not a lot. I think the more you can do that, he had five design runs, 13 total carries, almost 100 yards. I think the more you do that with Kyle Murray, the better off you'll be as an offense. Right, and late in the game, that that run he had yeah. was pretty absurd. Yeah. I started thinking, yes, that we the word you know lumbering for Rob Gronkowski, I think is a good a mm -hmm. good mesh. There, Kyler Kyler Murray is made for the word scamper. Scampers. Nobody scampers like. Like Kyler Murray, yeah. So he's scampering. Uh, Gronkowski is lumbering. There's a there's a couple of running backs. They, they, they've sort of died out more, but there's a few running backs for whom rumbling is the best mm -hmm. possible analogy. Yeah, Brandon Jacobs. Is yeah, a yeah, Brandon Jacobs is a good rumbling running yeah. back. Yeah, um, I, I agree. And the other thing that was really good is this new Hopkins thing worked right away. Like, oh, who could have seen that coming? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, it's not like a surprise. Yeah, but, but, but that's yeah. like he is. He clearly was, you know, a major thing that was missing from this offense that, look, Larry Fitzgerald was forced into being the number one last season. And Larry Fitzgerald's days of being a number one receiver are long gone. Like, when you're feeding him bubble yes. screens to try and get him the ball, it's like, that's just bad. Now you get Devontae Ho or uh, DeAndre. DeAndre Hopkins in there. You get a legit number one. You get a guy that, you know... He his sort of calling card maybe that contested catch stuff, but he understands what he's doing. Like he can yeah. get open, particularly when you're running this sort of spread style offense, right? And you're 
generating more space just from the, mm -hmm. the, the system, alignment. just from the, yeah, the alignment of the route concepts. Like you're getting him more open than he would have been in Houston. Like he's, he's making a huge difference. Yeah, 16 targets on the day, 14 catches for 151. That was what they were missing. They had no one who ha could win a route when they needed someone to win a route. They, they basically did, had, they were starting Keyshawn right. Johnson. They basically had the Patriots X. receiving core, except they were running a spread offense. That's, yeah, ask like, him to win one on ones right. all the time. It like, was a disaster. <laughs> like, for as much as you know, that was the reason Tom Brady looked like crap last year. Like Kyler Murray didn't really look like crap last year, and yet he was probably dealing with about the same thing. Mm -hmm. Like that, that shouldn't be understated. Like that was a major problem. Yeah. with the Cardinals a year ago. They fixed that in a heartbeat with one of the best trades that's ever gone down yes. like, from their perspective. Uh, and the DeAndre Hopkins thing worked like immediately. Mm -hmm. I'm Murray wasn't himself great, but I do think this offense has with now with DeAndre Hopkins, I think can yeah. be pretty damn good. And the thing is he like he won't he doesn't necessarily need to be mm -hmm. right. You know what I mean? Like the that's the exciting thing about this team is you've given him so much more help this offseason, right? You get new Hopkins in year two of Kingsbury's offense like year one to me was encouraging not necessarily for what it brought but for the developments that it made throughout the year you know like immediately understanding that this 10 personnel thing is not going to function at the NFL level let's junk that let's you know pivot to more um three wide receiver sets more two tight end sets let's move towards an NFL style offense while still sort of keeping some you know the basic fundamentals of this system that I think was really encouraging because it shows the guy will adapt and understand how to attack NFL defenses. Year two of that with a number one wide receiver with mm -hmm. the dangerous parts of Kyler Murray, right? He's got the incredible arm that can make all the plays. He's got that athleticism that can make big plays on the ground. Like he doesn't need to turn into the most efficient passer in the world right off the gate and right in year two for them to be really damn good. And I think their defense is going to be better, even if Isaiah Simmons isn't an impact player whatsoever just getting some young guys in secondary byron murphy jalen thompson in year two murphy had obviously the game-winning pass breakup mm -hmm. uh i think just that those improvements will help as well how good do you think the cardinals can be this year Ooh, and that's a good question the west all of a sudden after one week everyone you know pretty much was universally 49ers i think mm. the pick heading in can i take a victory lap i picked the seahawks did you? Yeah. That's what I, I was going to say. I spent the sudden. last week taking crap for it because <laughs> everyone was like, what are you doing picking Seattle for this division? To be fair, they played Atlanta. Shh. I'll take this victory lap, Mike. <laughs> Don't undermine it. But I, I do think it's kind of went from 49ers to now it's just, it seems wide open, far more wide open than it did heading into the year. I, I think, I, I always thought Cardinals were a 9-7, and 10-6 team this year. I, I think that's still where they end up. But I, I think that could be good enough to, I mean, easily make a wild card and if not, you know, one or two more games, 11 to five could be the West. Itself. That's that's the really interesting thing is that now we're, we're in a three wild card world. Like yeah. those teams where it's like, three wild card you know, they might not be good enough to yeah. really make noise. That's seven and nine teams. Yeah, like those are backs in. teams like the Cardinals have a realistic goal now mm -hmm. of third wild card spot. And the other, yeah, I mean, I was sort of saying all the way through the offseason, this team, like it could be better than people are expecting it to be this year. Like they may not be good enough to challenge if that's ever going to happen, yeah. but this like they could make a postseason. I kept saying get Kyler Murray involved in that running game. He's just too dynamic. Like he, he's he's the closest thing to Lamar Jackson at the running at quarterback running with the football. He's pretty damn close. Did you like, forget Taysom Hill? Okay. <laughs> Besides Taysom, uh, 
But no, he really is. And I think not utilizing him as much, obviously year one, it yeah. wasn't going to be good. Like you're not going to throw him to the wolves. He did get hurt later on in the season, but utilizing him more and more in that it's just a tried and true method to success offensively in the NFL. All right, let's cover one more thing quickly before we wrap it up with some uh, week one overreactions, whether we're buying or selling them. I'm going to pivot back to the one of the other biggest <clears throat> upsets of week one. Indianapolis Colts and the Jacksonville oh Minshews. Colts didn't punt. <laughs> what, the f- what the fuck was that? was such a weird game. What are they like going on the road and losing that game is a bad start to the Colts. And Philip really Rivers, is. we talked about Breeze looking cooked. That was ugly. Yeah. Like that was. Oof. Well, the thing is, he also, like, he dropped some dimes in there as well. It was just like Rivers is weird because that shot putt delivery thing has never looked right, yeah. right? So when the arm does inevitably start to wane in his later years, it somehow looks 10 times worse because it already looked bad. Like yeah. it got to where it was supposed to go, but it just looked ugly. When he isn't getting to where it's supposed to go and it looks ugly as well. It looks like it's a disaster. Yeah. Uh, the, the picks, though, were the yes. concerning thing because everyone, I don't want to say everyone, but like people were trying to chalk up last year to oh the offensive line yeah. and the Chargers. Once he gets once he has the time now right. behind a good offensive line, you're not going to see those bad decisions. To see those out the gate, and now he's another guy adjusting to a new offense so many years, and, and now he's had a bunch of different offense coordinators there with the Chargers, but so you thought maybe his adjustment might be a little easier, but man, that one pick, the out route was awful. Yeah. The, like just completely misreading coverage. Um, I, I do worry that you're just going to see more picks. And this is another team where if you were to build, you want a game manager with how good that offensive line is, how good that running game should be. You don't want a guy throwing the game away and gotta say it, Philip Rivers threw that game away. That's the big concern to me is that, um, this, like, my, that was what I was kind of pitching through this offseason, right, is that he's he's reached the age now where all those quarterbacks, I think, are kind of declining, right, mm-hmm. to varying degrees. They're not the players they used to yeah. be, right, and are probably not going to get back to that point at any, any stage. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that changes is that you lose the ability to deal with pressure in the way you used to, right, because I think one of the ways a declining arm manifests itself is not when you're set and you can, deli- you know, everything you can mm-hmm. wind off, up off mechanically platform. yeah the way you're supposed to it's when you're off platform you have to do it all arm you have to do it from a weird stance that's where you don't have just the zip that you used to and you can't make those throws and obviously that comes up more if your offensive line is garbage because the pocket's muddy you don't yeah. have the platform to step up you can't make the plays so for philip rivers it's like okay he's he's had seasons in the past where he's dealt with a terrible offensive line and still played really well but he probably can't do that anymore so you move him to the Colts where you have a great offensive line, you should, in theory, mitigate a lot of that. Yeah. The fact that that didn't happen is, I think, a real worry for them. He was under pressure on six of 47 dropbacks. Right. Like, and still. As clean as it can be. Yeah. As good a situation as you can have from an offensive line. And for him not to, like, for him to that, throw those picks and to just, you know, not be able to lead him back was unencouraging to say the least yes that being said his grade wasn't actually that yeah, horrendous no. the the two other two interesting things from this game are on the other team um cj henderson great game and gardner Minshew might be tank proof you you can't if your plan is we're gonna dismantle this roster uh, get a bunch of talent for like the future yeah and then we'll suck this year and get trevor lawrence you're not getting it with Minshew a quarterback he's not gonna let it happen 
that I mean he was classic vintage Minshew (laughs) it just was and that's the worrisome thing if you're the Jaguars you're like oh shit maybe we're throwing out too good of a quarterback right now or maybe yeah maybe Minshew is our guy in the future which I I still that's the thing I think he's I think he's that perfect like hell the perfect quarterback purgatory of he's too good you cannot tank with him a quarterback but he's not good enough to like you need a really good team around him if you're going to win a Super Bowl yes I completely agree so you're kind of stuck like you can't like what do they do because if they're if that was the plan right if their genuine Mm -hmm. overall strategy is tank for the number one overall pick and get Trevor Lawrence you're not getting that with Minshew a quarterback which means you need to do one of two things you need to either bench Minshew a quarterback (laughs) Or you need to like start preparing for the trade you're going to need to make to get to number one. I was going to say, I feel like we could look back at this one and be like one of the ultimate week one blips and be like, oh, okay, yeah, the Jaguars actually were a bad team. I mean, and, they're going to oh, be yeah, bad, the but they're actually. not like, you're not going to be number one overall pick with Minshew at quarterback. Who is then? Is I guess the like Jets. Because, okay, yeah, the Jets are going to be <laughs> awful. But they also, but the Jets also played a very good defense. It's one of those things where the competition they played, I thought the Redskins were going to be in competition for number one pick. They played a real team and the won. Football team, the Jets the played. Football team. Oh, gosh, I, say, I keep saying it. I thought the football team was going to be a number one pick. They played a real team and actually won. The Jets played a real team, looked like ass, but that was a real defense yeah. that they looked That's like fair. ass That's against. Uh, you know, maybe when they go up against the Dolphins or something, they might not. The Dolphins yeah. still another team that could be in the number right. one pick conversation. But I, I still do think the Jags just don't have it defensively. And kind of just, I mean, they didn't really stop the Colts. They had a couple picks. Yeah. Like the Colts stopped themselves to a degree. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be, like, the, yeah. the team's going to be good. But I, I mean, she's going to win you three, four games yeah. this year that they should. Yeah. And that's going to take you out of the number one overall pick, at which point you either need to figure out how you're going to trade back into it. How or, yeah, they just dismantled this roster. And if they get, like, the fifth overall pick and right. don't even, I mean, they, they aren't they, even in position to draft Lance, Fields, or Lawrence, I would – so mad. They could easily do what the Dolphins did last year, right? Yeah. And like win a couple of games they shouldn't and end up picking fifth. Now the Dolphins got lucky and you know had the quarterback did, anyway. Yeah. But like Jacksonville might not get that luxury. Like they could end up there and actually have to make a trade happen to get the quarterback they desperately need. Otherwise you just go, well, okay, I guess Minshew's the guy for the next five years. Yeah. And this QB class, a trade's not gonna be cheap. Right. So that would be concerning. And can you imagine what a terrible message like benching Minshew would send? Like, it's literally just saying we're giving up. Like that would be the strongest statement any team has ever made that we are literally. Who even tanking. is their backup? Is it Chad Henney? Uh, I don't even know. That's not Who a good it? sign. Oh, Mike Glennon. Oh no. So they would definitely get the number one overall pick that bench Minshew. I mean, that would be the strongest statement that anybody has ever made that like this is just outright tanking. Yeah, that would the NFL might step in. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that would yeah. be like okay, for whatever the discussion has been in the past about whether a team has tanked or not, this is just this is it's happening yeah. now. Oh, that would be rough. All right, overreactions to week one. Let's do it. Are we buying or are we selling these? The easiest one to start with is. Baker Mayfield is done. He is not the future for Cleveland. Man. I, I, I can't. I'm selling. You can't play as well as he did as a rookie and not. Like, no one peaks as a rookie. There's, there's, <laughs> he's going to turn around. Another team, like, you played a buzzsaw. You played the Ravens. Yes. On the road. Now, road doesn't really matter as much, but you played right. the Ravens. A good secondary still, even without Earl Thomas. And Odell Beckham turned into Odell Beckham uh, once again. I don't know what the hell's like. Odell Beckham, I had, I had this 
uh, I had an ex-girlfriend once who just like drama followed her. She, she would always be like, would always say she was like right. above it and just like, and it's not me. It's like drama just like follows. Yeah, at some yeah. point it's right. you. If like the at reaction some point, you have with every other human exactly. is the same, you're probably the, the at some point denominator. it is you. And I think that's where we're at with Odell Beckham, where it's like he can say he's above whatever all this like off field drama that goes on with him. Right. At some point, if it's been there every single stop of your career, I think at some point it's you. And then for him to drop balls, like for him to not play well again, is that's the thing. Is the thing where it's just like, what's going on there? That's that's the thing with Odell, right? If if he was balling out and like playing like the guy that. First time the scene, and you had Giants. Antonio Brown drama around you, right? Okay, we can we can work with that, right? There's something yeah. we, we can live with that, but like if you're gonna be particularly like when your calling card is like you spend um, pregame warmups just plucking the ball out of the air one handed like it's nothing, you know, and you like drop balls, right? You cannot drop passes. Look, if Larry Fitzgerald can haul in every pass sent his way for like 25 years, yeah, you can catch. The passes that are thrown your way. And I've not seen one pregame Larry Fitzgerald highlight. I'll just say. Exactly. Yeah. Like, okay, Larry, Larry's got some big hands, but he doesn't have like Odell Beckham freaky plucking out of the sky without even thinking about it, catching ability. Like you, that's that's your problem. Like mm -hmm. that is a thing that you should be fixing, and you're not. Like yeah. you can't you can't ignore all the off-field concerns if you're not going to be the guy that you were supposed to be when we traded for you. So, this is getting harder though this whole like yeah baker thing i agree i can't i'm i'm still with you in terms of look the thing we were saying all off season is we've got like five years of data on baker and four of them have been really good yeah right one terrible or not even terrible he was bad last year but not abysmal mm -hmm. like the reports of his demise were kind of talked up a little bit last year like he wasn't atrocious mm -hmm. it was just a huge step back from what we saw as a rookie so it's concerning right but and the other thing is the Ravens are maybe the worst team in the NFL to try and like fix that against, right? They're, They're gonna throw unique. weird things at you. Yeah. Like the first interception, I think, you're not expecting to see six foot nine Calais Campbell from the interior dropping into the throwing lane mm -hmm. and getting a big hand, mitten yeah. away. Like that that falls under the category of stuff you are not expecting mm -hmm. to see when you drop back, look up and find you know, that's not supposed to be there. So the Ravens are like the worst team possible to try and like get your head in the right space and be comfortable with what you're seeing. On the other hand, like all of the things that went wrong last year are still problems. The they fact the that same. like, yeah. yeah, the fact that nothing appears to have changed mm -hmm. is massively concerning. So, like I, I could, you know, I could accept a few sort of rookie mistake looking throws because of the Ravens defense, but like the fact that everything looked like last year, like. Stefanski coming in, the new offense, play to his strengths, Odell, you know, nothing. It's all the same. Like, yeah. at which point now we've got some problems. Yeah, like, just like, it's like he misses a throw, then the timing's wrong, then Odell Beckham drops a pass, right. and it's just like the same, like, mistakes just keep Every, happening. Everything's broken. Yeah. And, like, last year it was, okay, everything was broken, so obviously Freddie Kitchens is the problem. Let's get rid of him and we're back, right? But, mm -hmm. no, everything is still broken. And at some point – the other thing I've never quite understood with Mayfield is where the hell his accuracy went. Yeah, he's been off. like For like a year and a half now. This, this game, so many misses just right. in terms of, yeah. And that was the thing. Like even in college, it was always a small sample size. But even on the plays where everything broke down and went to hell and it was tight windows and all these kinds of things, his accuracy was still absurdly good. Like mm -hmm. it was almost Drew Brees levels of accuracy. He was nuts. That 
is gone at the NFL level. He, he isn't putting the ball where it's supposed to be anymore. Well, even rookie year he was at. Right. Like, that was not – yeah. I, I Something's off still. But, again, it's the Ravens, so that's why I'm not going to overreact. But a few more games of this, yeah. and, yeah, I can get on board. Oh, God. I, I honestly don't know whether I'm buying this one or not. I'm terrified now of the <laughs> Baker Mayfield thing. I, I mean, I, so I tweeted yesterday, right now he's broken. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that there are that many examples of quarterbacks that have been broken and put back together again. Like, Ooh, yeah. can you think of that many? Because I can think of a few where the quarterback has been broken and that guy's gone. And like, you left. never see him. You never see good version of that guy again. Gosh, that's a good question. I don't know if there have been many that have been put back together and you see the best play come back. I mean, like Mike Vick, whatever. When does that count? <laughs> Went to jail. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> If that's like our one, <laughs> Alex Smith, Alex Smith. Okay, yeah, yeah, that that might be fair. He was definitely not right in San, in uh, San Francisco. Right. Yeah, that's true. For a period. That did require going to an Andy Reid offense. Yeah. To that, for that time. Roman and Reid, yeah. good OC helps. I mean, I'm just yeah. I, I it's time to get con- really concerned. Mm-hmm. Whatever you wherever you were last year in terms of writing that off, like I, now that yeah. massive alarms. All right, um, Henry Ruggs. Thursday night, though, pretty good game. Yes. Bengals. Henry Ruggs has fixed Derek Carr. And by that, I mean the problem with Derek Carr was like the complete, not even inability, the complete refusal to throw the ball deep down the field. Lowest average at the target in the NFL the last two years. Just would not throw deep since that 2016 season. He was yesterday. I will say the Panthers' secondary fixed Derek Carr. <laughs> I mean, the Panthers' secondary is rough. They're starting rookies. Uh, not a lot to like about that. That's that to me was the bigger thing. I, I'm not gonna. We have a lot of data on Derek Carr right now that says he is about as conservative as it gets. That I'm gonna need a little more than one game. He didn't always used to be though. That's the thing. Like if it was, if he was Teddy to some degree. If he was Teddy Bridgewater and mm-hmm. he just like he'd never thrown it deep. Like at no point in his career had he ever shown the ability or inclination to do that. Yeah, fair enough. But 2016 Derek Carr, he. He would put take some chances. He'd throw downfield. He'd be aggressive. Um, and then that guy disappeared. Yeah. Then, then angle. Yeah. It's torched him. But, I, I mean, that's the theory, right? If you're mm-hmm. going to coax a guy into doing that, you find him a freaking speedster yeah, who's going like to get the over. Yeah, kill for Alex Smith. Right. And then the other thing that was encouraging is they didn't all go to rugs. Like, there was a deep shot that he hit to uh, an absolute dime to Nelson Aguilar. Like, mm. Aguilar's got some speed, but he's not the guy that you look up and it's one-on-one on the outside. You're going, oh, we're going to Aguilar. Like, the, <laughs> fact, that he, damn sure, yeah, yeah. the fact that he took that shot was, was pretty encouraging as well. So you're buying that yeah. reaction. Yeah, Ooh. okay, I'm buying this. I'm selling. You're selling, all right. But it was encouraging. Yes. We covered this briefly, but the Jags will play their way out of the quarterback class. I still say no. I'm, like, I'm selling all these overreactions, but I, <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I, I don't think that uh, – okay. I think it turns around that they're just – they don't have enough All right. in that roster. I'm definitely buying this one. Okay. I, I, Minshew is completely tank-proof. You cannot tank with Minshew as your quarterback. <laughs> He's going to win you too many games. Wait, so 6-10, and 10, you think? 5-11? Yeah, something like too that. 5-11 okay. five, five, makes sense. 5-11, yeah. and I'm banking on the idea that that takes you out of – Probably you far two, two teams will be like 3-13 and 13 right. or 4 and It takes you goal. far enough out of those top QBs that you're going to need help to get them. All right, Brady's washed. It's done. 2014 article has finally come true. This one I actually might be buying. No, oh. I, I think there's just you're not going to get elite elite level play from him anymore. Now he had a bad situation in New England. I just don't think that. Uh, I mean, he's 43 years old. 
and it's not just the arm it's not the only reason there's just like other things you can't do physically stuff starts to go at that age to where i think he's i think it's i don't think he's completely washed but i don't think you're going to see top 10 quarterback plays here yeah he might have passed the point where he's capable of dominating in a marginal situation that's yeah like obviously Brady in the past has had seasons where he's elevated everybody around him and he's looked phenomenal despite not everybody around him being great. Mm-hmm. The, I, like even even in a decent situation, he might not be capable of doing that anymore. He might actually need that optimal situation to play like a top five quarterback. Yeah, that I think is probably fair. Um, I don't know. I the big concern to me is not. I think Brady can still play like a top quarterback if things are if things are good around him. My concern is the mesh between Brady and that offense. We like we talked about that before. Mm-hmm. Unless that syncs up, I think you're going to have some issues. Like that Bruce Arians offense is capable of extracting some insane play out of quarterbacks, but it's it's kind of a high wire act. Like the the seasons that it gets out of them, I'm not entirely sure how it gets them out of them. But, like, it's almost like they shouldn't be possible. Like, the things that Carson Palmer did in 2015 are not supposed to happen. Like, you that shouldn't be. a wild be, season. Yeah, you should not be that efficient at that intermediate and deep level the way he was. And yet, he's kind of got this track record of getting that out of quarterbacks. But I don't know that Brady has that to give anymore. So, that would be my concern. Like, I think if you, if you go back to an offense that suits him better stylistically, I think he can still play at that level. But if you're trying to get that 2015 Carson Palmer season out of him, I don't think that's there anymore. Okay, interesting. So I don't know what that is so, in terms of buying or not selling. Not washed. I guess that wouldn't be washed. Okay, not that's... washed then. All right, Jamal Adams makes the Seahawks CMC West favorites. He was really good yesterday. Yeah, and Russell Wilson was very good. Now, Falcon again, Falcon secondary, not very good. So yeah. kind of this one, hmm, kind of. I don't know what to, I don't know which way to go on this one because I don't I want I don't think they're favorites but I do think it's kind of just a three horse race now in the West. Okay. Like I did not like what I saw from the 49ers and I, I kind of said it before the 49ers there wasn't like a really area on the roster they got better from last yeah. season. And if you didn't get better somewhere now maybe they'll be healthier at tackle all season because they had some injuries but if you're not getting better in the NFL usually like an injury strike somewhere more important like it has at wide receiver for them and uh like usually you get worse if you didn't get better on paper. So I'm a little worried about the 49ers at this point. I'm going to, I'm going to sell though. I'm still, I still think it probably is their division to lose. I don't think they're the favorites, but I, I was encouraged by what I saw. I he did, he did change that defense. Yes. Bring the table. So I think I'm buying, but I'm not quite sold on the premise. Okay. I think the Seahawks are the favorites now for that division. But I don't know that it's Jamal Adams that made that happen. Didn't, didn't push him over the edge. Like I think that he definitely before. he definitely changed that defense and makes that more impactful and scary for teams to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. But like the biggest thing coming out of that game is that the Seahawks were prepared to let Russell Wilson cook. be the thing. Yeah, let Russ cook. Let Russell Wilson be the thing that the offense hinged on and throw the ball and didn't have to run the ball all day to make the point. Like if they're prepared to do that all season long. They have by far the best quarterback in the division. Yeah. They like that makes them the favorites. The fact that they have Russ and they're prepared to let him off the leash. 
only 17 rushing attempts outside of Russell. Right. They gave it to him. They had 35 passing attempts. That's that's not the Seahawks we saw last. Exactly. Season. So that to me is what makes them favorites. Not okay. like Jamal Adams helps, Fair. but that's not like Fair. why they are. All right, Cowboys. They're not going to make the leap that everyone predicted. This one's interesting because depending on how long Lyle Collins is out, like that offensive line, it's kind of whenever Dak has had, you know, when Tyron Smith missed a good period of time was two years ago. When he's had that offensive line that hasn't been dominant, yeah, it's gone in the tank and gone in the tank kind of quickly for that offense. So if the offensive line really is going to be an issue and it it was an issue on Sunday night, Aaron Donald just ate them up. Um, I don't think they make a leap at all if the offensive line does take a step back. I think Dak Prescott is like the perfect quarterback that goes as far as his environment is. Like, and I honestly, th he, he might ask like over the course of his right, and he might be as susceptible to that as any quarterback in the NFL in terms of like if you give him a great supporting cast, I honestly think he could look like an MVP candidate. Like if you gave him. Mm -hmm. A, an all-pro offensive line, a group of wide receivers that are great, the ones he has at the moment, yeah, to be honest, I mean, a great running yeah. game, a great defense. I honestly think Dak Prescott would be MVP. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people will say, well, any quarterback. I, I don't think any quarterback. Like, Andy Dalton would not look like an MVP if he you had gave him those. 2015. Right, Dalton. if you gave him those, yeah. that environment. And there's a lot of other quarterbacks that wouldn't either. They just don't have that in them. But if the situation goes to hell and suddenly the offensive line falls to pieces and you don't have you know, receivers or you don't have defense, whatever. Like if the situation erodes, I think Dak collapses more than most quarterbacks. Like I think he looks worse yeah. with crappy supporting cast than a lot of quarterbacks would. So basically if the, the, the theory was Dak Prescott would look great, maybe an MVP candidate, the Cowboys take a giant leap forward because the situation around him is so good, maybe the best he's ever had. And mm -hmm. when the situation is great, Dak looks good. The situation might not be as good as we thought it was, particularly on that offensive line. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think I'm probably buying this one. Maybe the situation is not good enough for them to take as big a leap as we expected them to. I think I'm buying this one too. And yeah, and he was so under pressure a lot. Yeah, 19 right. of his 45 dropbacks. That 42% of your snaps is a lot yeah. to yes. be under pressure. But I, I don't think that's going to be an outlier occurrence. Like we've talked about how offensive line is kind of a weak link yeah. proposition where it's like all it takes is one guy to lose along your offensive line and that's it on a pass protection play and that's not going to be a good you know, that's a pressure that's not you're not going to have a clean pocket then so it doesn't matter that zach martin and tyron smith may not allow any pressures in the game if your other guys are tearing steals at right tackle you're going to have a problem every single time you drop back to pass so uh i, I do think that yeah, if that's what their offensive line is going to look like for a period of time, we're not going to see any sort of lead. I mean, they desperately need Lyle Collins back yeah. quickly. Um, because like, And, and Steele's going up against Leonard Floyd. That's about, yeah, that's about right. as favorable a matchup as you can draw as a yes. tackle. That's the thing. It's like, okay, Leonard Floyd's got some athletic skills, but he's proven pretty consistently that he's not actually that impressive a pass mm -hmm. rusher at the NFL level. If you can't live with that, you're going to have some issues. Like So that, that would give them... If Terrence Steele is out there for any period of time, that gives them at least two significant weaklings on the offensive line. Maybe three if if Joe Looney struggles against some of the better interior guys in the NFL. Like there's basically just Zach Martin and Tyron Smith you don't have to worry about. Yeah. And at some point, you probably have to worry about the fact that Tyron Smith's going to get hurt. And whether he misses time or not, he's not going to be like vintage Tyron Smith. You know what yeah. I mean? So that suddenly, like the offensive line goes from being like, 
one of the best in the NFL every single year to being actually, you know what, there's some issues here. Yes. And, I mean, Cam Irving, the fact he couldn't even win the starting job over Tanner Steeles. And then got hurt yeah. on special teams. Like, they had to cart him Did off. They, geez, yeah. I didn't see that. Okay, I shouldn't laugh. Yeah, he got rolled up on a special teams play, got x-rayed and carted off. So, at one point, I think they were – I mean, that was part of the issue is that they – I think they ran out of offensive linemen. I don't know if they had any backups left. So, even Jesus. if they wanted to make the switch yeah. for a steal, they couldn't. Um, so, not only is, like, the starting five problem, the depth is a concern as well. Yeah, so I think definitely then buying that. All right. So, we're both buying that one. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's week one of the books, Mike. Well – Week one in the books, pending Ish. Monday Night Football doubleheader. Um, those will be fun. I'm, I'm intrigued to see what these games look like as well. Yeah. We made it. We got back. Yes, I was so excited. To, I woke up at 5 a.m. this morning. I was so hyped. <laughs> I was just like, let's, let's go. All right. So that's our week one review podcast in the books. We'll be back on, I think, Thursdays is when we're recording the preview ones. Um, we're going to start diving into some interviews this pre this season we're going to get some guests on as well so we'll change up the preview podcast a little bit i don't know if we have one in the books yet because we're going to wait for uh mr palazzolo to be back in the building yeah is he when's he getting tested i don't know actually i don't know when he's when is he just going to keep riding it out just be like hey we'll just keep working home i don't need to get tested maybe yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe he enjoys not having yeah. to get up early in the morning crawl into the office for his podcast we'll see hopefully at some point palazzolo will be back we'll get ourselves uh, our interview guests we've got some good ones lined up but uh, we're holding off until we're all in the office and we can actually get them dialed in on the screen. So anyway, that's it. Thank you for listening. This has been Mike Renner, Sam Monson for the PFF NFL Podcast. See you uh, later in the week.